there are a number of conventional solutions that everyone would obviously think of in the first five minutes, and most people would start working on that, right? And for us, it would be the other way around that the all of the work happens in the last five minutes or the last ten percent of the time allotted. So we just think and think and discard uh, multiple ideas and brainstorm and come up with something where the potential is immense. Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Startup Operator. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Neeraj and Narayan, the founders of uh, Ultraviolet Automotive, which is perhaps one of the coolest uh, startups around. Uh, they recently launched the F77, which is a pioneering electric sports bike and has gotten some really rave reviews as well. Uh, really excited to talk to you, uh, Neeraj and Narayan. Likewise, uh, nice to catch up after a long time. Yeah, yes. man, long, long time indeed. The YouTube concert, I remember. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. No, so I do follow some of your Instagram content. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I started posting on plenty of uh, uh, social media channels. You no, know? I've pretty much become like a yeah, like a social media geek. So <laughs> yeah, uh, let's start with the. Uh, and let's start with your background right the founding story and stuff uh, so how did you guys meet and you know what was the inspiration to start uh, ultraviolet cool so that story goes back a long way so <laughs> neeraj and i know each other for over 20 years now okay we went to the same school um, we both are from bangalore born and brought up in bangalore went to the same school i think we were uh, sort of competing for the top rank through high school uh, nice joined the same engineering college as well after that uh, i got into mechanical engineering uh, neeraj was into computer science electronics formerly computer science yeah, yeah but what happened though during engineering was we went out of our way right outside of the college mm-hmm. syllabus and took part in a lot of the creative engineering competitions um, between 2005 and 2008 mm-hmm. uh, hosted across colleges like iit chennai iit bombay had an event called uh, the tech fest iit chennai had something called the shastra so this these events had um, some very creative problem statements and um, sort of we ended up building various kinds of vehicles robots uh, devices that could sort of complete the deep given to us for mm. example one of the problem statements was a vehicle that can go on land climb a certain height uh, get into a swimming pool complete the course on water get back onto land wow and you know pull pull a certain payload along with it till the finish line navigate certain other obstacles along the way right so required us to think cross disciplinary uh, i mean that was the approach that we took yeah a lot right. of creative uh, thinking um, electronics mechanical engineering computer science all of these things coming together yeah and uh, yeah was, and i think what we ended up doing is that we would actually build quite crazy solutions out there Mm. right so it would not be a sort of incremental approach in mm. fact it became very clear to us in the first 3 4 sort of events where we would go that we would either outright win it or right. we would walk away with nothing right so and so o- over time the outright winning sort of uh, yeah right. so it started uh, becoming that similar to sort of if we were at an event we were pretty sure we'd end up winning it and even the others would be right. sure that we would win it so they're like oh these two guys are here like oh, oh like we're not getting the first place yeah i mean i want to talk about that a little right so just help us understand i mean what is it like so i i remember i mean i used to participate in mad ads and those were just like writing stuff down and like you know enacting a scene or whatever right i mean 
here are actually building something uh, so you're given a brief uh, you're probably given about half a day or maybe a day's time to put everything together so what is that process like i'll i'll get to that so some of the big events right like mm -hmm. uh, especially the ones also by the iits and the nits at that point um we used to take part in the marquee events of the tech fest mm. and the brief was in fact uh, put out maybe 4 to 6 months before oh, wow. itself yeah that makes sense so there's about 6 4 to 6 yeah. months of work that uh, happened before we landed out uh, yeah, on the day of the event and yeah there were also events where we it would be built something in 1 hour or 2 hours right so we've right. done both extreme ends of that and right. obviously time becomes a constraint that you have to consider in building any solution right and right. what we would end up doing is that there are a number of conventional solutions that everyone would obviously think of in the first 5 minutes mm. and most people would start working on that right mm. and for us it would be the other way around that the all of the work happens in the last 5 minutes or the last 10% of the time allotted so we just think and think and discard uh, multiple ideas and brainstorm and come up with something where the potential is immense so even like halfway to the end of the event right. it would be that nothing actually on the table like nothing is built out there is actually yeah. nothing to show and most Crazy. people would some people would think okay these guys haven't built anything there's nothing going to happen from this team this time and then in the last 10% of the time we would actually build stuff right and by That's then great. we would have discarded all of the conventional ideas not because they are conventional but more because for various reasons they wouldn't make sense right mm -hmm. they wouldn't solve the problem in an in an elegant way or in a functional way or maybe they were overkill and they didn't you didn't, didn't really need to put out that kind of complex solution right so we would just try to narrow down what is it that we really want to do and we got right. to do it really really well right and right. that's what we would try to solve for and it would end right. up looking like a very unconventional solution solely because we were building towards some constraints to start with So how did that lead up to ultraviolet and building electric uh, electric sports bike and stuff like that? So I mean we from the point where we started to do all this to where we are now we are removed up about 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. uh, what happened though during those days in college was that uh, we got comfortable or got um, really used to the idea of problem solving from a very creative approach. Mm. So people usually think creativity is only restricted to art and design but uh, we would differ creativity seeps all the way into the way you use technology what yeah. kind of take you use where the way you streamline processes to come up with the solution in a stipulated time frame etc right? right so that sort of has uh, seeped into our way of thinking here at ultraviolet and uh, yeah and i think the other thing that we sort of figured out was that typically what happens is that everyone is uh you've done your engineering you've mm. studied a particular branch of field and the tendency the natural tendency is to only think along those lines right yeah, to you think have, incrementally basically yes you've studied computer science you always look at it from that lens mm. and the thing is that usually any sort of innovation or creativity happens at the boundaries of yeah. these yeah. uh, predefined categories or subjects yeah. right so yeah. it's across electronics and mechanical engineering mechatronics or computer vision and you know traditional algorithms so then you just have to blend these sort of topics together yeah. and we got a sense of being also open to the idea of not knowing the solution when you start out yeah. and that causes a bit of uncertainty and hesitation when you start out that 
you have no idea what is the solution at this point right. but you know that if you explore yeah ideas around this you could possibly come up with a solution and right. being okay and open to uncertainty was i think one of the first things that we uh learned back then it's a yeah 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 you become comfortable with uncertainty is actually a quite a paradox right yeah so Neeraj, I mean, from your perspective, right? Typically, I mean, engineers, as you mentioned, I mean, they're happy coding like an application or an ERP or whatever it is, right? And shipping that uh, to be able to actually code to you know enable some of these actual mechanical moving parts and stuff like that, right? What does it take to transition, or you know, the way you look at it, you don't find a difference at all. You're just solving problems through code, basically. No, so I see the. ideally in an ideal world that's what everyone should sort of believe that you can code your way into anything yeah but the thing is that it requires a certain confidence building measures that you any individual has to build over a period of time if all you've ever built is simple c code on a computer you would not have the confidence to take something out like on a and imagine that you can build an electric vehicle or anything of that sort mm-hmm. right but smaller incremental steps for example that you used an arduino right you've built some sort of small mechanical device or a robot sort yeah. of starts giving you the confidence that you know what what i've learned in college is not the only thing that i can apply in my life right sure. and the internet being the internet where you have this unlimited mm. uh, resource base yeah like you can yeah. look up anything like most yeah. of our learning has been at least for myself i would say that all of my education has been from the internet and like yeah. i'd say less than 5% of it has been in a classroom or through conventional forms of education right right so it's a combination of just curiosity confidence building and uh, yeah i think implementing things in a small small way interesting very interesting and uh, so you guys are looking at this category right and this is a very nascent category even though it's like heating up and stuff like that how do you how do you think about the category itself i mean do you actually think of like you know the the do you actually take a step back and think about the category as a whole itself or i mean you're just like hey you know what this is a super cool thing i'm going to build this and there are enough people to buy this as right. a product no so it's sort of both bottoms up and top down right yeah. so when we started the company we also had to look at so yeah. we were clear that we do something in the electric space mm-hmm. and uh, then we narrowed down to two wheelers at uh, some point um there a lot of research on what's happening across the planet uh different companies in the east and the west what's going on and uh, the east sort of things were going towards a common denominator where everything sort of operating on a, a low power a low uh desirability quotient just uh paper use sort of models mm. and the west was sort of where innovation was happening on the four wheeler side things were improving with regard to the batteries and driving cars all of these were happening and uh, we figured that for india right so this goes back into our interest areas as well mm. we think two wheelers will pick up faster than four wheelers okay uh, multiple reasons for this um, one is the um, the number of companies attempting two wheelers and the possibility of some of these companies getting it right is a little mm. higher in the two wheeler segment compared to the four wheeler segment because in four wheelers we're still dependent on the incumbents to transition to electric uh two wheelers is a space where disruption is possible mm. and the battery capacity is limited you don't need a battery that weighs a few hundred kgs right it's less than 20 30 kgs in most cases mm. and this is where innovation on what we've done for example modular batteries we had to do things from scratch so mm. things like that were possible on two wheelers and uh 
within two wheelers, we decided that um, we are going towards the premium performance segment. A mm. uh, reason for this is that um, anytime you see new technology coming about, we didn't want to be at the low end of the spectrum to begin with. Uh, rather, spend some more time and effort and sort of um, establish once and for all that electric is capable of outperforming even the performance IC engine vehicles. Right. Right. And so you start at the top of the pyramid, uh, and then I mean the options are. Uh, open right. for you to figure out where, when, what you want to enable at what point in time. Yeah. Sort, of the, sort of the Tesla approach, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. kind of, yeah, kind right. of that. So the other interesting point here is that India, um, and this is very unique to India, that um, everyone sort of views their two-wheeler, whether it's sort of a bike or a scooter or whatever it is, there's mm -hmm. a certain sense of pride in owning that bike. I mean, you'll, right? you'll probably recall, right, your first bicycle that you bought in middle school or whenever, right? And... You went the first bike I had, RX100. Yeah, exactly. See, so that whole RX100, the culture itself is such that when you're yeah, yeah. graduating from college, you've already imagined what would my next bike be. And there's a certain aspirational value and emotional sort of uh, attachment building up, right? And it's not just, let's just say, a functional form of commute, right? Yeah. So, and it's fun. It's a status symbol. It's something you really look forward to, right? And that's where we saw sort of an opportunity that all of these vehicles that exist today mm. have really been functioning on technology that was built a few decades ago. And okay. while consumer electronics in your phones and your other devices has moved ahead, you haven't seen that kind of technology come into your vehicles, right? And right. specifically two-wheelers. Mm. And we didn't see too many companies working on that. And uh, this was a big opportunity for us in terms of intellectual property, in terms of new innovations that can happen. Yeah. And so we narrowed down on which segment we wanted to operate in and what you have today is the F77. Awesome. So how do you go from like an idea to a launch, right? I'm pretty sure that there are plenty of things, uh, you know, in between, right? Uh, so right. how do you go about building all of those things? So that um, was about a three-year period from where we froze. That could take three hours, right? At least. Uh, <laughs> where from the point we froze the idea to actually the launch that we had last November. Right. So the way we went about um, the whole thing was first we identified that it's a performance premium motorcycle and um, then we sort of did our research and uh, understood patterns as to what people's expectations will be in terms of everyday usage, distance that they would want to travel, mm. modular batteries, advantages that uh, that could provide over a uh, fixed battery or vice versa and uh, sort of had our base constraints that the range should at least be 100 kilometer plus. The top speed should be in the zone of where, where every other 200, 300cc motorcycle is going to be. Right. And and sort of we worked backwards and figured out what it takes to get to that point from there. Right. Want to talk about that in particular, right? So, because I think that's especially an interesting po uh, point that you mentioned. How do you go about doing that user research for something so futuristic, right? So how do you go, what are the kind of questions that you ask uh, what is the data that you're looking for to validate and so on? See, the technology is new, but the way someone uses the vehicle should not yeah. be a new learning curve. So, right. the good part there was there was enough data already available. Mm. All of us use two-wheelers. All of our friend circles, people are using two-wheelers. Of course, we went outside of that and uh, interacted with a lot of different types of focus groups mm. as well. But the data we wanted to have is not what people 
would expect an electric mm. because right now when you say would you transition to electric mentally you're thinking of a compromise and thinking what is the level of compromise i'm okay with mm. our approach yeah. was very different it the experience has to be at least on par if not better than what you face or what you have today right right so even the questions that we would frame while talking to individuals etc it had to be in terms of what is their existing experience been and what would they sort of look forward to electric come coming into it's the sort picture, of a by product yeah. yeah it's not mm-hmm. that okay you're transitioning to an electric vehicle which is sustainable you're transitioning to another vehicle which is right. significantly brighter it happens to be electric this happens right? to be electric yeah yes right yeah, yeah. so and there were functional aspects there were emotional aspects there were ownership related uh, aspects there were ergonomics related problems that we had to solve so right. basically each of those had several sort of uh, criteria and in terms of how how would a person ride it in a city versus on a highway now mm. in terms of what would be their seating posture in terms of how aggressive would it be for the person who's riding the vehicle versus from the point of view of a third person who's looking at the person riding the vehicle mm. and how does that even appear for that third person and that was an important criteria even for the yeah. rider that yeah. he should look cool while riding the bike yeah right no i i especially liked that segment in your launch where you spoke about the sound right the sound that the yeah. the exhaust makes which yeah. is uh, fantastic actually yeah, uh, even so, that was a big big important uh, sort of uh, uh, criteria and one of the things I mean, that's that, a question yeah. everyone has had unanimously right uh, what's the sound right. going to be like and yeah and does it have a sound at all yeah and yeah. so we actually what we ended up doing was we realized that a lot of companies take different approaches right one of them is adding speakers to the bike to sort of mimic the sound and you can right. upload your mp3 and that's one way of solving the problem for yeah. us it was more of a the whole yeah. uh, at a very philosophical level honesty is sort of an approach that we take very strongly right. through the whole product uh, development so when we talk about aviation influence hmm. so one thing that is very strongly seen in an aircraft is the level of honesty hmm. right if there is something that does not require to be there it's not there so everything that you see whether it's the shape that is influencing the aerodynamics to the the way one controls the aircraft to the technology that is powering things up uh, internally mm-hmm. everything is completely honest right and we have stuck to that philosophy as closely as possible and so what we ended up doing for example on the sound was that we started to realize that the motor itself inherently mm-hmm. has its own sound right and that's very unique it's different from an ic engine and we started to see how we we could leverage that and what you have now on the bike is a motor that and it, it's a very high frequency noise and a high pitch sound and yeah, it sounds cool so to that a jet plane like or a yeah, aircraft exactly. yeah and with all of this cool stuff right now you know you are going up against the conventional bikes and what not right i mean obviously you know oh, everyone's uh, adding whatever kind of innovation whether it's incremental or order of magnitudes <laughs> to you know all of their skews uh how do you see yourself competing with regular vehicles like why does someone buy an ultraviolet over let's say a tvs or a bajaj or something else okay so two parts that or is just a is... separate demographic altogether I, so so there's I, two parts I, yeah. to that one is you were talking about um, incremental versus uh what level of innovation are companies working towards right so that is a call that we had to take very early on that yes. the entire battery drive train platform is something that we will completely work on in house yeah. uh different companies have taken approaches of you know importing some kits and yeah. this was even before the 
whole make in india or localization of components even came into play and uh, i mean we have to be smart about where we do that and where we think it's okay to not do that as well no so for that also there's always sort of a uh, build or buy sort of decision that we have yeah. to take on various plans right and for us usually that decision comes to the point of is there something out there that actually solves the problem in a meaningful way and in a cost effective way right and if first of all if it doesn't solve it in a meaningful way then there's nothing to talk about and that's where um, we also end up building intellectual property ourselves when we build out a solution right it may not have various functionality or it may have newer functionality than what is available in the market and right. that becomes an opportunity for us to sort of build out up portfolio of patents and sort of uh, trade secrets and even um, special mechanisms that we internally have built out through our uh, innovation and sort of uh, engineering and research right and then comes the area about okay this is something that can be done by uh, us but and it's done elsewhere in the world mm. and it is not cost effective to get it from another country right mm. and so what it means is that we have to put in effort mm. to make sure that it is possible to build it out right here in india and there are some things like that as well right mm. and it may not involve significant intellectual property but it needs to be done right yeah. otherwise we would end up depending on some other uh, geography and which right. could lead to problems in the supply chain right now so right. we take various decisions like this and it has been an ongoing thing but where but the good yeah. thing about india is that on the mechanical side right it's mm. a very mature um network mm. um of suppliers capable of manufacturing um, things like different processes to make the frames for the vehicles right uh, when it comes to casting when it comes to sheet metal when it mm. comes to things like um, shock absorbers wheels tires etc these are not things that uh, we might have ideas of how we can improve existing things but i mean when if you get into all of this at a very microscopic level then it's going to be about 10 years yeah. for you to <laughs> get something out right? yeah. yeah so we have been clear that at a very high level we yeah. spend time on things that uh, we believe is going to that ip that we develop is going to get the company significant advantage in the coming years mm. and a lot of that lies around the batteries the powertrain of the motor yeah, and the electronics right. the software that goes into all of right. these things it's really a question of how much better in terms of cost and innovation right from both perspectives yes. Yes. yeah sorry i mean uh, you were talking about you know how you compete versus the other bikes and so on yeah i mean is gone so the other thing is that right what we've also seen is people are super excited about electric and in the last 5 years so tesla has done a really yeah fantastic I mean, tesla has been great for the industry mm. i mean they're taking uh, gm and ford and the who's who of the automotive yeah. industry head on right yeah and um, i think leaving yeah. leaving valuations and all of that side of the business things aside right. it is still a remarkable thing that the that tesla has done for electric vehicles so yeah. right from the first car where they outright proved that they could outperform all ic engine uh, four wheelers mm-hmm. you've seen the improvement year on year on every segment that they've gotten into yeah right mm-hmm. and i think the other aspect of this is also from a competition standpoint right um there is a user profile that is important to what we're talking about and the persona of that person who's buying this kind of vehicle Mm-hmm. and what we have seen in the case of the tesla is that they are self identifying in that if i want to see myself as a progressive person i can mm-hmm. afford a mercedes i can afford a bmw i can probably afford even a ferrari 
mm. from that person's perspective but mm. they will still end up buying a tesla solely because it needs to reflect their personality and to show that sort of i'm a progressive individual right mm. and i want to reduce my dependence on fossil fuels and we've seen that happen in other geographies we mm. can't comment on whether there's a lot of those people out here in india yeah. but no, there is a significant based on the interest that we've been receiving so far yeah. that number is massive yes right right certainly amongst the younger crowd right the millennials yes. is i'm sure i mean they'll be environmentally conscious right and given that you know the bike looks cool oh wow right the bike looks cool as well right so it's not really so much of a trade off as well i mean think about uh, the kind of vehicles that were there like 20 years 15 years back right electric vehicles right. look like moving cardboard cardboard boxes right <laughs> so given that right. i mean you know yeah. we've come a long 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 way right so right. Yeah. yeah i mean so you have this cool product now you have to move this product right so which means that yeah. you know like any consumer product you have to think about building distribution networks and so on so how are you going about doing that right so see that again so it's sort of a sort of a push or a pull right sometimes you get sort of a, you push it out into the market you have a very wide distribution network right how how, how the conventional companies work mm. and you have distributors and partners and showrooms in every city across across india and things like that and for us it's sort of being inverted that model what mm. we have seen is that thousands and thousands of people across the country are coming to us on our website applying pre registering wow. to buy these vehicles awesome. and we are able to sort of estimate where the demand would come from right? right which cities would it be which regions of the country what would be the age group and so this helps us sort of fine tune where exactly we would go and right. obviously we can't be across the country on day zero right um, but this sort of helps us prioritize where we would end up uh, being and where we thought we could end up being closer to oh. the customers right, right. or so, could you instead of being in one city to begin with can you do three or five like these are things we are realistically evaluating at this point and like you said so the millennial population the younger generation the method of consuming information and the method of and how they make these purchase decisions has also changed right mm-hmm. it is not always that okay like the uh, like 10 years ago that everyone always goes to the showroom to make that decision mm-hmm. they may end up there to pick up the vehicle but not necessarily uh that is the first point of interaction right mm-hmm. so it's it's a whole lot of online it's a whole lot of uh, using other sort of uh, media for getting opinions right? yes, can the showroom right. come to you that's yeah, also exactly ideas that we are bouncing around right which right. is more holistically operationally heavy but it may be possible right you why, yeah. why can't you book a test drive and why why don't they come to your house mm-hmm. right so that you can take a test drive from there so and all of this translates into the service side of things um through your ownership cycle so what we are focusing uh quite strongly on is the entire experience of you owning part of the Arnavale family mm. and it's not just about the ride experience it's about uh from the point where you hear about the product till the point where you continue owning the product and probably uh, consider a second yes. product as well right so the whole thing here is that um like we were talking earlier when it comes to being creative it is not just in one field right where you say okay mm-hmm. i built a really cool bike which is an electric bike and my job here is done we will put the rest of the company in the way we, that we get to market is all conventional it's not right. like so that you, you know what the uh, cool part here is is that um, we are able to think of ideas from the other side of the table like if we were prospective consumers mm. what would our ideal fantastic experience be like 
right. and it's not too different from what we are trying to push out there as well right. so the, it's a very close fit between the two of us the team the ultraviolet team mm. and the consumer in terms of emotional appeal mindset uh, how people see perceive value in products etc so we ended up owning and sort of using several two wheelers right that is available these are available in the indian market and from elsewhere Mm. and so we've gone through that experience ourselves and we've learned and studied that experience from going to the showroom to how many days it takes for delivery to the point of okay i go there or at 8:00 in the morning to give my bike for a service and then that person at the other side treats us like you know what boss today it's full like you come some other day yeah. like so there might be areas where you don't even realize today it's a pain point until we give you a solution tomorrow and then you're like oh man why wasn't this already mm. in place Right. So, yeah, and if you look at like the consumer decisions also right especially for something that's uh, i won't even say it's restricted to large ticket purchases so much of that is got to do with identity with ethos with what someone stands for and stuff like that right okay. and which is why i mean i guess it makes sense that you're thinking the whole way through the whole 360 through right right, uh, right from purchase to post purchase to you know there on uh, right. yeah so which is i mean it's really fantastic so ultraviolet might possibly be closer to a lifestyle brand right than just yeah. two wheeler yeah right. no absolutely absolutely so you have you know all of this uh, really cool engineering design all of that coming together within the company right so you have to bring together perhaps you know the best engineers the best designers the best business people all of them and really they're working on as you mentioned you know the edge like the edge of innovation yeah. how do you keep these guys uh, motivated and how do you attract these guys uh, you know obviously i mean you show them a picture of the bike that is one thing but uh, you know how do you keep these guys coming back every day you know how do you build culture i suppose that's a larger question okay so when it comes to culture it's sort of um, what we are trying to translate through the companies the way we used to work hmm. where it has to be fun you are having fun and i mean if you solve the problem on day 2 it's not fun right for people who are super motivated that means either the problem wasn't uh, hard enough for you to solve or it wasn't worth your time and effort in the first place right so the people who are working on a lot of these challenges hmm. and the challenges are quite significant in the sense it requires a lot of creativity and time hmm. to uh, solve and fine tune solving is one thing from the point to solve it to fine tuning it to be production ready both right. are equally critical uh, loops in the design process yeah. it's the electronics or the uh, yeah. mechanical engineering or no, the other the other key difference is you can't do the whole startup uh, spiel of like you know fail fast or break things and stuff like that right because <laughs> no, I mean, not in this industry god forbid yeah no, god forbid not in the and the yeah. whole mvp sort of mvp <laughs> yeah exactly ship <laughs> and just spray really hard basically <laughs> yeah right? yeah no, so we've done multiple sort of mvps are different stages to uh, validate modular batteries validate the ergonomics of the bike the frames etc right but yeah yeah that can't go out into the world but the point <laughs> is we use that to sort of validate that we are on track or right. make significant milestones or pro- progress right? right and the other thing about individuals i think again there is a lot of self selection that happens mm. that if the culture of the first few set of individuals is that of you know very high skill levels uh, being structured in the work yeah um, sort of uh, trying very hard to sort of solve problems by looking at other disciplines and sort of uh, going out of their bo- existing boundaries to solve those pro- problems that mm-hmm. also attracts the same kind of 
talent yeah. becomes a norm yeah yeah right and that yeah. is what has happened so today yeah. we have 50 individuals in the company and a lot of them come from different backgrounds so the company doesn't have sort of it's not a traditional company where everyone is coming from an automotive background for example yeah. we have individuals who come from an aerospace domain both from mechanical engineering side as well as on the electronic side for example uh, one of the lead engineers on on the engineering side has previous experience working with isro and also with boeing and airbus right wow. he brings that kind of experience whereas on the electronic side we have engineers who work with honeywell right and there are then there are folks who come from a consumer electronics domain they previously worked at samsung mm-hmm. right so there are all of these other influences coming into the company and all of them have done innovative things in the past and these are people who are inherently very curious and uh, not easy to be for them to feel satisfied with something right so they've done projects on their own gone out of their way uh, picked up skills that are auxiliary to their uh, main competencies etc mm. so that that i think goes a long way in how people work together pretty well so it's not that one guy is very strong in his field and cannot understand what the other person is talking about no and anyone who can operate at the overlap of like two or three fields no. right i mean is is sort of the i mean i would say the the best kind of person that you want to work with yes, because yes. they make sense uh, across i mean so, they have a core set of principles that can that can you know operate in multiple spheres right so yeah. cool so let's do a quick uh, like a rapid fire round okay nothing scandalous <laughs> like straight answers to everything so okay. neeraj one thing about design that's made you a better engineer i'd say understanding emotional reactions to stuff right so but it's a good answer yeah i mean yeah. i've learned from uh, narayan and uh, i i did not even have an idea of this before that uh-huh. when you look at any kind of vehicle right out on the road or sports cars or um, sports bikes out there let's say you look at a lamborghini right you see that aggression but mm-hmm. when you look at a bentley you sort of see the subtle sort of uh, powerful Uh, there's a certain emotional reaction that you have yeah. and that's not something that you know as an engineer and you never come across that's never been a functional requirement anywhere right yeah i'm sure you don't have those require i'm sure you don't have those feelings when you're looking at a git commit or whatever right obviously right. <laughs> it's so, yeah it's user friendly fine yeah. i mean like yeah. you don't think about it that way but yes like yeah. interesting stuff that i've learned okay narayan one thing about engineering that's made you a better designer um i think inspiration comes a lot from technology and if you've seen the product that we built mm. a lot of the inspiration that went into actually the design of the vehicle and what neeraj spoke about the emotions all of it is tying in together right mm. and a lot of it actually started off not with a sketch of a beautiful looking bike mm. but with the amazing piece of engineering that was bordering oh. between engineering and art and how do we translate that into a real world product so inspiration That's for me did not come purely from just cool looking shapes and forms but actually from technology okay and uh, that happened because of us working together over the and like neeraj said right it was not on day one where we said this was the final bike there's a lot of to and fro that kept happening and that sort of uh, grows on you and yeah kept influencing me throughout that's that's interesting i would have imagined that it would have started at, you know on a blank canvas with you like thinking of some beautiful thing and then like sketching it out and then saying hey neeraj go and go and build this 
one common interest that we both share is technology right right and right. both of us have our biases towards different forms of technology but none of us disputes the power of technology right yeah. so it may be an outrageous idea to begin with but uh-huh. there would be some influence of tech that is already coming in right so right. work with what you have basically and think right. of what's possible right yes so okay best thing about being a founder either of you <laughs> i mean <laughs> not too many questions from the family because they are assuming you're under a lot of pressure and stress and they let you be <laughs> wow that's uh, yeah i mean supportive uh, supportive family friends yeah i mean that's that's helpful uh okay either of you can take this as well if you were elon musk for a day what would you do <laughs> i don't think anything much happens in a day but uh, i think it would be awesome of course um, <laughs> i'd come down to ultraviolet and talk to the two of us that that's the interview we should record for sure <laughs> yeah i mean that'll be amazing so uh what is the one thing that people grossly uh, you know uh, sort of uh, uh, how should i put it i mean one thing they're very under prepared for about like building electric vehicles or electric products as such underestimate okay. something that people grossly underestimate about building these kind of uh, you know okay. no so this in general happens with hardware that you think okay this is what i'm going to do and the first version is going to solve this problem and i'm it's going to sell in millions of units and i yeah this is done work here will be done right but just to get to that first st- stage of having a product that is reliable is uh, capable and is functional to the level of the expectations set by the market is yeah. itself a big deal right so this is what happens people take kits from some other country just put it all together <laughs> and think okay here's my electric vehicle this is going to be awesome and it will not even function for like a month in the market right and so, i think the other thing that people um, tend to underestimate when they start things off uh is getting the first working product mm. and what it takes to get from there to selling it mm. yeah in a few tens of thousands of units so i mean what what i'm talking about is getting it production ready from the point where you've proven the technology mm. because it's not just it working once or twice every single component has to be tested from a manufacturing point of view the quality point of view mm. and from a reliability of this thing is going to function for 1000 x number of uh, i mean x into 1000 kilometers or for instance the battery packs they developed right they you insert them into the bike and mm. when you want to interchange them you take one out and put the other one in mm. so the connector mm. that's a smart connector it's powering i mean it's uh, transferring current mm. it's also facilitating connectivity both wired and wireless connectivity between the bike and the battery so right. that mating unmating cycle has to be tested a few tens of thousands of times with wow. the dirt with grime <laughs> with indian conditions with rain with corrosion right and it has to deal with the indian roads right, right? Yes. right. so you would have you would have thought it was hard to get it to function in the first place but uh-huh. then you realize oh man there is a whole loop of that optimization is. that is ahead of us right now right and thousand different variables to consider as well right yes. so yeah that's crazy okay let me flip the question right why should someone build the stuff that uh, you know like you are building for example the electric vehicles or whatever 
over you know something which is a you know let's say a consumer app or whatever it is right so why should someone consider building for this market i think the opportunities are tremendous right so it's mm. not just one or two companies that will sort of solve problems in the space mm. and it requires engineers who have studied or sort of gone through that experience of learning the fundamentals and most of us would have done that in our mm. universities and i find it very weird frankly that if you've studied physics or math or chemistry and you're going and optimizing an app for sort of ab testing or anything of that sort that you're really using the things that you learned or you're doing i wouldn't call it meaningful progress it is probably meaningful progress but it is the best use of anyone's time right so really I really think, puts my life in perspective but thank you for that <laughs> no i did not mean that <laughs> Saying that, <laughs> no, no, I was kidding. <laughs> but it depends on what yeah. your interest areas are, right? And this whole ecosystem, there is innovation is required right from the infrastructure yeah. side yeah. Yeah. to the minute details of the product. Yeah, and to sort of go into a and a market where the yeah. last fifty years there has been one type of product, and to say that a completely new generation of electric vehicles is going to take over in the next five or ten years mm. means <laughs> that a lot of progress is required there. Yeah, and and our country has like brilliant people. Why yeah. are we not harnessing that everywhere possible? Right. So, yeah. No. At the very minimum, engineers should do engineering. I mean, even though I am not that person to be giving that advice, but I feel hundred percent engineers should do engineering, right? And even within engineering, hey, I mean, uh, I did my instrumentation engineering. I spent about two and a half months in the refinery, came running back, right? So I was, <laughs> I was done with it. No, yeah, so but they, yeah. Right. No, no, go on. Sorry, you were so saying. It also depends on the opportunities that are presented when it's when yeah. you start up, right? So it's yeah. it, that's that defines your experience also. So good, if it's good some note boring to, industry, then yeah. yeah. Good note to move on from that question. Thanks. <laughs> no, and and uh, I mean, all of us, right? Till till we were in the final year of engineering, we had yeah. no clue what what is going to happen. Yeah. All of us, I think, our entire uh, group of friends, eight, ten of us. Yeah. We wrote GRE, we wrote GMAT, we wrote CAT, <laughs> <laughs> we wrote eight, whatever was all I mean, the acronyms and four letter and three yeah. Letter. I mean, it's like I yeah. I mean, we were all like we tried to de-risk everything, right? And we we graduated uh, yeah. hell of a time as well. I mean, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. So yeah. it was yeah. I mean, I guess it was crazy. Okay, so we've been under like sort of a lockdown for the last two and a half months or so. Two months, two and a half months. What is the best quarantine hack that you've discovered? <laughs> best quarantine hack. Okay, I think in terms of um, just the amount of noise and that way that helps with concentration that has improved anywhere wherever you're sitting, whether it's at home or at office. Um, for me, that is a big boost to my productivity. So I just okay. say that is the only silver lining there. Um, some know. some free time to maybe focus on uh, skills that I've always wanted to didn't really get time to. Oh. But but now it's all about focusing on things that will augment work. Mm. Uh, maybe pick up something on a few softwares. Just read some more. Understand things about different companies more on these lines. Something like learning music would have. I mean, I would love to do that. But now. For good or for worse, somehow everything that I'm doing is sort of seeing how it will, you know, provide something to uh, what we are doing here. 
right something yeah i mean it, it'll be a stronger motivation right i mean uh, yeah definitely so no, like in an ideal world i'd want to learn music i'd want to learn five more languages yeah. like do all of these things but uh, yeah you still have to make your choices <laughs> you have to figure an excuse to learn some of these things i feel like i started learning japanese uh, about a couple of months back okay. i'm really bad at it so don't ask me too much i mean it might sound like something totally atrocious but yeah i mean so we started expanding into japan uh, you know last okay. year and so on and uh, you know i've been interacting with my japanese colleagues as well and there's such a okay. cultural difference so i was really intrigued by that and was good enough excuse to kind of start learning the language right so maybe the next version of uh, ultraviolet or whatever has some kind of a music component <laughs> to it and then you should pick up something so yeah. awesome that's really cool so what uh, books or podcasts uh, what books do you read what podcasts are you listening to right now so it's a lot of um, different abstract material one day it could be something that i'm looking at on coursera some day it could be like a session on master class mm. uh, some day it could be just something i find on youtube so there is no structure to it mm. just try to keep the horizon broad and try to absorb different domains different people different cultures and okay yeah, so same here for me as well so i tend to sort of um very easily quickly move on from one topic to another so okay. it's more sort of broad based uh, whether it's podcasts from different uh, uh sort of engineering backgrounds or from philosophy or from history or from you know general tech scene to ebooks or uh, sort of kind books on kindle and uh, even sort of using uh, kind uh, audible right so i just keep jumping across and i very easily discard stuff also uh-huh. if something is not catching on in the next in the first few hours i just move on and that helps me sort of uh, progress in terms of uh, the amount of content that i cover so he is right. he has made that transition successfully from a real book to kindle i am yet to okay. do that <laughs> yeah me too me too i just like the feel of the real book man for some reason yeah, yeah. i am the kinds who'll go back a few pages like make notes and right. stuff like that so it just doesn't right. stick in my head if i don't read it on a page really right. but and yeah. you can't argue this with logic right it's a lot of emotional yeah yeah, yeah exactly account. exactly exactly uh, and i'm going to shamelessly plug my podcast as well please listen to the startup operator if you haven't already so okay. we talk to people like yourselves uh So this has been a fascinating conversation right and I want to be mindful of your time as well before I let you go uh I want to ask you your advice for you know whoever is out there listening to this podcast and might be considering building the next ultraviolet well they should just join you I mean the whole idea that what happens typically is when you're thinking about an idea is that you don't get started on it you end yeah. up thinking about it for a long time right yeah. and the first stage of that is to just move along and make some progress in that direction and i think even yeah. for us that has happened multiple times mm-hmm. and you will be sort of when you look back at it 5 years later you will be surprised that that one decision how far it has taken you and I how think much progress in most people's lives the decision will be should i quit my job and start this mm. I mean, if you're thinking that, then you probably should. If not, I mean, the, you're going to miss the boat, and uh, right. someone's going to take that opportunity in the meantime. I think there's a interesting uh, idea that was proposed by Jeff Bezos. I think mm. he had said he follows what he called the regret minimization framework. <laughs> right? Wow, it, sounds fancy. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a fancy name, but the idea simple. The idea is very simple. That if you don't do what you're thinking about right now, yeah, um, would you regret that decision probably ten years later? Right? It's very simple. Mm. It's just looking back in time later on. Would you regret this decision to continue what you were doing or to switch to something else that you wanted to do? Right. And right. if you sense that there is going to be a certain level of regret, it's about time to make that switch. Right. Yeah. And yeah. there have been instances in life where I've actually faced that, and I've used the same thing. I'm now I'm getting to know that Jeff Bezos said it sometime in the past. But uh, for instance, the main point was when I had to do my second masters. So right out of design school, uh, second masters. Narayan, how many degrees <laughs> do you have, man? You have Miraj on the other end saying that he learned everything from Google. Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Go on. Sorry. So, um, I had. Um, bunch of opportunities to work with the indian companies um, right. got into one of the really good top schools based in sweden and uh, conventional wisdom said join the industry you learn more than doing another course but uh, i mean it was the same thing for me it was looking back after 10 years am i going to regret this and i was unsure of the answer and that's where i knew i probably should do it and uh, now i can tell you it was a fantastic decision Yeah, it's no not problem. just about what you learnt in class, but for instance, my class of ten uh, people, right, mm. had nine different nationalities. Wow! And the cultural influences that you pick up, the problem statement might be the same, but mm. there's nine different ways in which the same problem is being solved by people around you. Right. So it's not just what you do; you actually pick up so much from the people around you. Right. So a lot of that and. Um, Being out out of your comfort zone, figuring out how to do a lot of things, including cooking and <laughs> managing everyday life. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So, like what he said, five ten years later, if you think you're going to regret not doing something, then just yeah. just do it. And, yeah, and so, somehow yeah, you'll yeah. find you'll find a way to figure things out. Yeah. So being sort of okay and uncomfortable with not knowing the answer. that has also taken us time to build that imagine being in a state of anxiety all the time right <laughs> yeah is not a very comfortable place to be yeah. in yeah. right yeah. and and i would also say that um, maybe don't uh, try to do everything alone don't put everything on your yourself maybe find a group of friends like minded people who have diverse skill sets who can you all can come together and solve that problem in a meaningful way right or join the ultraviolet ecosystem yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is also an option <laughs> all right thanks so much guys this was awesome fun we Ooh. should definitely catch up again uh, really yeah, really appreciate sure. your time and uh, hope to catch up with you guys uh, soon thanks for tuning in to this episode of the startup operator we'll interview operators at fast growing startups and curate insights that can help you do better This podcast is available on all popular platforms. If you like our content, don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you. Until next time, put your head down and execute.